title of this morning's message is Hope for the Hurried Family. And this season of the year, we have a lot of rushing around, and it's very hurried. Matter of fact, uh, I stay away from certain parts of this season, Black Friday, for instance. I stay away from Black Friday. I stay at home. I stay away from the shopping malls. I stay away from Walmart or uh, Myers and all those stores during Black Friday. And yet many of you, you see it as a challenge. I, one, one Christmas, I actually did go shopping for an item for Tyler. It was just an unbelievable price. And so I went early and waited and got in line and picked out the item and actually got it. And was surprised by the cost of the item and got that item. But it was that Christmas that I decided that was my last Black Friday. For many of you, you look forward to that Black Friday. It's a challenge. It's kind of like hunting. It's like, you know, having an opportunity to seize the moment. And I'm amazed every year at our clothing resale how many people come early and and spend the night here on our just for used clothes. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. And yet, many of you hurry through this Christmas season. And today's message is entitled, Hope for Hurried Holiday. Children, if you're here, would you come forward and join us at this time? Many of us go into Christmas and we have really high hopes for Christmas. We have all these things that we're excited about. The older we get, probably the less excited we are about those items. But we look forward to receiving special gifts. As a grandparent, I look forward to you getting gifts because it's fun seeing the joy of children receiving their gifts. However, if we're not careful, there's a danger of misplacing our hope in things, in the things of this world, instead of placing our hope in the things of the Lord. Pastor Trey, what are some gifts that some of the children would like to have for Christmas? All right. Do you guys have any, a gift that, you would, that you're hoping for Christmas that you get? Are your parents in here? Okay. Tom, first service, somebody plugged their ears. Their parent did. All right. What would you like? Xbox 360 with Connect. Oh. All right. But while we're doing this, I need you to think of a toy that you really wanted when you were a kid. Okay. Something you really wanted. Yes. Mario Kart. Mario Kart. All right, Preston. A Wii game. A Wii game. Anybody else? Your parents are in here. They're going to think you don't want anything. <laughs> a new bed. A new bed. Practical. Practical right there. A turtle. A turtle. Turtle's going to clean stinky. the cage. You know turtles are stinky, right? Yeah. An iPod Touch. An iPod Touch. All right, a couple more here. Legos. Legos. A remote, contr- a remote control um, airplane. A remote control airplane. Last one right here. An iPad or a dog. An- <laughs> Did you know that on your iPad you can get a dog? <laughs> All right. Anybody else have an example out here of something that you wanted as a child? First service, we had a lady say a Shirley Temple doll. I don't even know what that is. But it sounds cool because she danced, right? Any anything you wanted for Christmas? Yes, right here. An easy bake oven. All right. Somebody else? Barbie townhouse. Ooh. Right back here. Wait. An electric train. 
Okay, one more. Yes, right here. You wanted a sled? Oh, she got it. Well, when I was a kid, I really wanted something. And I asked my mom. I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a, in a small town, um, so, but it really wasn't like in the country. It was just like a small town. So <laughs> I asked my mom and my dad. They asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I had the perfect gift, the very perfect gift for Christmas this year. I asked my mom if I could have a four-wheeler. I was like, ooh, a four-wheeler. That would be perfect. I don't know where I'm going to ride it. But it would be great. So I asked them, and, and I thought, well, my mom was the type that maybe your mom or your dad is this way. Like, they don't let on to you that there's no earthly way that you're going to get that present. <laughs> Does your mom or dad ever do that? That's how my mom was. Like, so I thought, for sure, on Christmas morning, when my brother and I woke up at 2 in the morning, it was going to be there. So I got up, I ran into the living room, and there was no four-wheeler. And I thought to myself, maybe, just maybe, I have a creative mom. Maybe she put the keys in the stocking. That's what my mom did. So I ran to the stocking, and I started to dump it all out. There was plain M&Ms because that's always in my stocking. And there was, what else is always in my stocking? A toothbrush. (laughs) And what did I find? This. Can you tell what that is? It was yellow, but it was just this size. And I, I said to you know, my mom was standing there with cheer all over her face because she thought she had pulled one on over on me. And she did. She was a great mom. But I had this four-wheeler in my stocking, and I was so excited. I kept it for a long time on my dresser as a kid. Well, we all have all kinds of presents, right, that we want for Christmas when we were a kid. We wanted things. Pastor Rex, what is one that you wanted as a kid? Well, I really wanted a pair of skis. Now, I'm sure there's no skis in here, but I really wanted a pair of skis. And sure enough, I got them. (laughs) Now, these aren't the same pair of skis that I got when I was a kid. I was in sixth grade. The skis I got were wooden, and they uh, they had cable straps. They were old. And when I started skiing, I became an avid skier, and eventually I bought the best pair of skis I could possibly find. This, I bought these skis in 1984. Uh, this was a pair of Olin's 870s. It's a bump ski. It's made for going fast through the moguls. Now, you can tell there's a difference between these two skis. This ski is long and tall. It's 195 centimeters. This ski is my son's, Ryan's. And they're a parabolic ski. It's wider. And it accomplishes the same thing as the tall ski, but it's much easier to handle because it's shorter. This one's 160 centimeters. This is 195 centimeters. See, the truth is, I paid the very most that you could possibly pay for this ski. In 1984, I paid $550 with my ski instructor's discount. I was an avid skier and, and got a great price on these skis at the time. It was the best possible ski you could buy. But with just in a year, these skis were outdated because the technology changed. Skis became shorter and shorter over a period of time. 
But I'm stuck with these long skis because I only ski once or twice a year, and it doesn't make sense for me to spend this kind of money on a shorter pair of skis. So last winter, Ryan, I skied on yours. (laughs) True confessions. Well, I want to tell you a few things that I learned over the years. You see, the truth is we hope in things. We hope in gifts. We look forward to Christmas because we have these gifts that we look forward to. But everything that you hope in will wear out. It'll fall apart. Many of your toys that you've gotten over the years, they probably are broken now. They wear down. They go away. They, they become obsolete. Many of the electronic items that we buy within the year of the purchase, they're old and obsolete. And, and we need the newer, the brighter, the larger, the bigger Meg's item. It's because, well, it's just the way it is in, with consumerism in our today. But what happens when they wear out, when they break down, when they become obsolete? Is your hope in these things? Or is there a foundational hope? You see, today we lit a candle. It's the candle of hope. For our hope is not in the things of this world. Our hope is in the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is your hope in things? Or is your hope? In the Lord. You see, my papal, um, I, I, I was a cousin, and I had, my mom had seven children, seven sisters, seven sisters and one brother. And uh, so I had a, lots of cousins, and we would all play football together and baseball together. Well, when I was between sixth and seventh grade, my uncle Sammy passed away. He was killed in an airplane crash. And it was after that time that we were all playing football together. And we were coming in from the football field, getting ready to go eat. My papal stopped me. We called him papal. And uh, he said, boys, I want to talk to you. My papal was a truck driver. He started out driving mules. And then he moved up to actual trucks. And, and, uh, and he spent his life doing that. He had employees that worked for him and multiple trucks. And he said, boys, over the years... I've got a lot of stuff. And um, he said, but the more you have, the more you seem to want. He said, boys, I want to give you some advice. Work at a job you love. The scripture tells us to work for Christ and not for man. And all that you do, work for Christ and not for man. Then he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I thought that was pretty good advice. From my papal. You see, he had very little education, but he was wise because he lived by the Word of God. Thank you. You're dismissed. The Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. To do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure today? Where is your treasure? 
Is your hope in things or is your hope in the Lord? You see, all Scripture points to this one man, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament tells of his coming. The New Testament tells about his life, his death, and his resurrection. All of Scripture points to the Messiah. He was sent from God, and and he is our hope. Not our hope because of everything that he will give you, but our hope because of who he is. You see, he is the one we can hope in. He is our hope. And yet so many of us, we lean upon things in this world. What are you leaning on for your hope? For some of you at this Christmas season, you're looking forward to that bonus check. Matter of fact, you've already made plans on how you're going to spend that bonus check if you actually get one. And and you're hoping for that. And if it doesn't come through the way that you hope, is your joy removed? Is your hope in things or is your hope... In the Lord. For some of you, you hope for your football team. And when they lose to their rival after seven years of victory, are you devastated? Do you hope in things more than you hope in the Lord? For some of you, you put your hope in your tax return. And you've already spent money that you do not have on things that you do not need. And when your tax return doesn't come in just as you expected, you find yourself in bondage to the debt for the things that you'd hoped for. And you find that you're not able to live a life of generosity that you want to live because you're in bondage to things that you hope for. You see, these things will give out, they'll wear out, they'll fall apart, they'll wear down, they'll go away, they'll become obsolete What is it that you hope for? Some of you put your hope in a relationship, that guy or that girl. And when the relationship falls apart, you feel devastated. Especially if it's the first time that you've ever experienced this fondness for somebody of the opposite sex. And and your hope falls apart. Some of you have hope that this relationship that you're in, that this Christmas season, that you'll get a ring. You've got plans and you hope. You've got plans for your own life. Some of you are already married or engaged. And, and if for one reason or another it doesn't work out, you're devastated. Because you've invested your life in this individual and your world falls apart when it doesn't work out. Is your hope in an, individ, in, an individual is your hope in the Lord? Well, Mary... The mother of Jesus, is the story, her story is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Mary had dreams. Mary had hopes. And I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? Let's see them. All right. Very good. How many brought electronic devices today? All right. Stay with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, now it's kind of curious here, in the sixth month, that's referring not to a a season of the year or or a month of the year, but it's referring to Elizabeth, Mary's relative Elizabeth, who is with child. In the sixth month, God sends Gabriel and the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Gabriel was an angel, 
and of the Lord. And the word angel literally means messenger of God. And this angel had an overwhelming message for Mary, the main character in our story today. In the sixth month, God sends an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. You see, Mary was a very young girl. She was probably 12, 13, or 14. You see, in, in Roman tradition in that day, uh, the tradition was that the minimum age was 12 for to become engaged. And uh, you could even get married as young as 10, believe it or not. Augustus, the emperor, had set a minimum age of 10. Now, for the boys, the Roman tradition was, the girls was 12, but for the boys it was 14, because we all know the boys mature a little bit later than girls. So the minimum age was 12. If you're a guy, it was 14. And the Jewish practice basically followed the same guidelines. Girls were usually engaged by the age 12, 13, or 14, and that engagement would last a year. So Mary most likely was very young as she followed tradition. She was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So we have this young girl. She's engaged to a man. Now, literally, the word pledge means betrothed to. And it's similar to our word engagement today in contemporary culture, and yet there's a major difference. You see, to be pledged in marriage meant that you were entering into a legal binding contract with this person, that you were making a legal decision to marry this person. That, that engagement would usually last a year, and then you would be married after that. If you chose not to marry that person, then, well, you would have to get a divorce, even though you were not yet married, because betrothal or engagement meant that you had already decided that this was the person you were going to marry. In that tradition, in that culture, your parents decided who you would marry. And so as you were children, they would see children playing together and say, oh, those two will be good together, and they'd pair you up. Oh, that's a great Jewish home, and they'd pair you up. Some parents today think that would be a great way to handle it. It would save a lot of heartache and headache, but I don't know. I don't agree with that. The virgin's name was Mary. Now listen to what Gabriel said to Mary in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, there are some theologians and some churches which want to paint Mary as some supernatural woman, which I always thought was curious because of her reaction. You see, she was greatly troubled by the angel's message to her. She seemed quite shocked by his words. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. Imagine yourself a young teenage girl. Now, I know for you guys that's kind of difficult to do. But imagine yourself a young girl, 13, 14, 15 years of age. You're going about preparing for the rest of your life. You're engaged to be married. You're still a big part of the family. You still have chores to do. 
And it gets to the end of the day, and you're in a quiet time by yourself, and this angel appears, this big guy, and light is glowing all around him. And you begin to wonder to yourself, is, is this really happening? What's going on here? Mary would have responded very similarly to your response. Mary, want, Mary wondered what was going on. She, she was perplexed. She was speechless. She was dumbfounded. She couldn't say anything. She was afraid. And we know that because of verse 30. Look at verse 30 with me. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son. Now, this is a message from heaven. Gabriel is telling Mary that she is going to give birth to a son. Now, what do we know about this son? Well, let's look at the next few verses. And you will give him the name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. For his kingdom will never end. Now these next, now there's six things that Gabriel, Gabriel, the angel, the messenger of God, reveals to Mary about this boy that she would give birth to. First of all, Gabriel informs Mary of his name. He will be Jesus. Jesus means Yahweh saves. In other words, this name Jesus describes the purpose for which Christ would come into the earth. Yahweh saves. But then God's word goes on. He would not only be named Jesus, but he will be great. Thirdly, he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now the first three describe Jesus as he would walk on this earth, as he would live his life there in Bethlehem. But the last three that Gabriel mentions, the messenger of God, will not be fully realized until the second coming of Christ. What are those? It says that God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, how does Mary respond to all this? Look at verse 34 with me. How will this be? Mary asked. The angels, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So Mary says to the angel, Gabriel, this is great. This is great that this son is going to be great and that he's going to be called the son of the most high and that he's going to sit on the throne of David. It's great. All that stuff's great. And that he will reign over the house of Jacob and that he will rule forever. But I, I know how this works. How can this be? I'm a virgin, and I've, been, I've never been with a man before. How can this be? It's not possible for me to have a child. I have never been with a man. How can this be? I imagine that Mary was thinking very much to herself, you know, this is not my plan. You see, I have my plan. Joseph and I, in a few months, we're going to get married. We've already been engaged all this time. In a few months' time, we're going to get married. And Joseph was already beginning to work on learning the trade 
the carpentry trade. And, and we have plans for Joseph to open up a shop of his own. And I'm going to help him with that shop. And, and we have our plans set in place. We're going to get married. And then we're going to go on our honeymoon. And then we're going to go to the Dead Sea and we're going to camp out there for a while. Just kind of hang out together. I have my plans. Then we're going to have our first child. But it will be three, four years down the road. This is not my plan. How can this be? She was confused. She had a plan for her life. Just like you and I have plans for our lives. We all have these expectations for the way we want life to turn out. We kind of have it all planned out in our minds. Even from the time when we were small children, we had these dreams. Dreams of being an astronaut or dreams of being an actress or a firefighter or a policeman. Eventually, we exchange these childhood dreams for the American dream. Do you remember going after that? Do you remember going... And applying to the college of your dream? Do you remember the girl or the guy of dating the girl or a guy of your dreams? I married the girl of my dreams. Many of you dreamed about what job you would have or how many kids you would have or you dreamed about what your house would look like or how much money you would make. But then there was that moment, that moment in time when all of a sudden your dreams did not work as work out as you expected. That moment when you discovered that maybe life was not going to turn out just as you had envisioned it to be. You see, nobody ever dreamed that they would have cancer at age 36. Nobody ever dreamed that they would be fired at age 54. Nobody ever dreamed that they would be divorced twice by the age 45. Or that they would be alone or depressed at the age of 26. Nobody ever dreamed that they would not be able to have children or that they would end up bankrupt. And yet every one of us, at least at one point in our lives, have had a portion of our dreams shattered. Things have not turned out just as we had dreamed. Was this what Mary was expecting? No. Was this her plan? No. Was God about to do something unbelievable in her life? Absolutely. You see, Mary had a dream. You have dreams. I've asked Pastor Trey if he would gather together some volunteers, and they're going to construct a manger scene for us. And there are three words that I want you to remember this morning. Three words that Mary will say as we continue our study today. May it be. May it be. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 1. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Elizabeth was barren. She was past childbearing years, and yet yet God did a miracle. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
May it be, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be. Let me ask you a question. Is your hope in the things of this world? Or is your hope in the Lord? Can you say like Mary, may it be. Can you surrender your plans for his plans and say, may it be. You see, there's this amazing moment where Mary says, God, this does not match up with my plans. This is not a part of my dreams. Joseph and I have it all figured out. But Lord, if this is your will, may it be. With those simple words, may it be, marriage ushers in a season of unprecedented hope for her and for the entire world. This Christmas season, every time you see a manger scene, it'll probably look a little different than this living nativity. But every time you see a manger scene, I want you to stop where you are in the busyness of this Christmas season. Stop where you are and pray a prayer. May it be. When you're in your car and you're with your family and you're driving down the road and you see a manger scene, I want you to pray a prayer. Lord, may it be. Not my will, but your will be done. Pastor Trey, I don't know why it is, but there's a stop light that they get to and and it's it's a trigger for Sophia to pray. We gotta pray, we gotta pray. And every time they get to that light, it's a reminder to pray. It's 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 a way to help your children become engaged in prayer. You can make a game of it. Every time you see a manger scene, stop as a family and pray. May it be. Every time as you walk through the mall and you see a manger scene. And you're by yourself, bow your head and pray, Lord, may it be. When you're in your home and you walk by the manger scene, stop and pray, Lord, may it be. In this busy holiday season, the title of today's message is Hope for the Hurried Family. I want to encourage you to stop and to pray, may it be. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God. It it speaks to us in powerful ways. We think of the story of Mary, this young teenage girl who had her own plans. And yet she said, may it be. All around this room, there are people who have their own plans. And yet your ways are higher than our ways. Help us, Lord, to understand that. And help us to spend our lives saying, may it be. Help us to seek your will and your face and your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, would you empower us as we go from this place to be salt and light in our world. May the love of Jesus Christ be so evident in us that we share this good news with our world. And in this week, as we pass manger scenes all across the city, help us, Lord, to slow down this hurried season 
by putting you first in all things. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.